Welcome to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast, a space for the spiritually curious to explore faith in new and meaningful ways. Open your heart and mind and journey with your host, Luke Bricker, into greater spiritual freedom. Will, thank you for joining me on the Spiritual Nomad Podcast and uh, carving out a little bit of your morning, but my night to... uh, (laughs) To have a conversation and uh so yeah thanks thanks for joining me here for for a little bit of time man it's a joy to be here so cool so you are in india right now right yes okay. i'm in goa india and uh giving up for christmas right now but it's scorching hot mm. so it doesn't actually feel like christmas at the moment but yeah i'm on the other side of the planet right now yeah so amazing. Like, how many hours apart are we again so it's nine at night where i'm at um, yesterday for you 13 and a half, 13. 13 and a half hours ahead of you <laughs> so crazy india, i don't know why india has this extra half hour it's, yeah uh, that's odd yes yeah it is odd. yeah i put my kids to bed and was just hanging out and uh now in my bedroom recording this podcast slash office the super official international spiritual nomad headquarters uh, beautiful which is also my bedroom. <laughs> yes. But yes, so I'm cool. Running. Man, so um, I put out a, a Instagram post just seeing, you know, who would be interested in talking about their faith journey, foundations, deconstruction, reconstruction, how Jesus fits into all of that. And we started talking on direct message. And I started looking at your profile and became pretty interested and uh very interested in your story because i'm like okay here's someone who's in india uh uh-huh. who's with hillsong right are you are you still associated with hillsong um not officially but um a church is a family isn't it and there's certain uh certain people in that family that are still very much in my heart i've yeah. been here for 3 years now so i've been uh out of hillsong uh, physically for three years but still you know those those friends those special people are um, are still in here yeah so yes and no i'm still a part of song, but not physically yeah yeah so were you so in uh at like the headquarters there it's in sydney right yeah no i was in london i was in uh hillsong london really Man, yes. you, okay, so we got a whole, this is fun. All right, so <laughs> you, you were in Hillsong, London, and yeah. okay, so if we're talking about that sort of trajectory, faith tradition, sort of reevaluation, reformation of faith, you know, where, take me back to more of the origins, were you, did you grow up in a Christian household? Is this something that you found and explored later in life, or, or what's, what's the origin story of this? Origin story. Okay, so uh, I was going to Hillsong for five years. Um, before then, I grew up in a, uh, a Pentecostal church in the north of England, in Sheffield. Uh, 17 years I was there. And uh, it was, you probably, I, I don't know if you know the lingo with a son of the house. Um, when you go to, some, to a church for so long, you become uh, part of the furniture. Yeah. You, know, you become the place. And um, I'm not going to mention the church by name because it's actually had some, a lot of bad press recently. And I, I don't want to 
shared any more bad lights on it. But yeah, it my my auntie, my mum's sister, was always saying that it was a, uh, a cult. And really? Yeah. When you're in the place, um, you you think no 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 we're we're doing good we're going somewhere good, you know, and you you, you love the excitement and the trajectory of of that whole Pentecostal thing, you know, gotta, we've got to save the lost and all of yeah. this kind of stuff. Pretty exciting um, uh, from time to time in, in Pentecostal and charismatic circles though, you know? Yeah, you know, every now and then you have the, the big offerings that everyone's gearing up for. Yeah. You have to put, you know, put all your money on the credit card and then pay it off 10 years later. So... Uh, so yeah, I was going to this church for a long time, and I was, as I said, part of the furniture. And I was in the worship team, pretty much the whole time there. I was in. Uh, uh, I always played piano. I think when I was born, I was playing the keyboard. Yeah. Um, you know, there. And uh, songwriting, music directing, worship leading, the whole shebang, you know. And I was, I was the big part of the church until. <clears throat> until I decided to move to London. Mm. And this whole thing came, uh, I've always been a big fan of film music and film sound. And I wanted to make that work. I, I loved doing it. And I'd gotten some really fantastic uh, grades from university. So I thought, okay, let's do this. Let's write music and, uh, and sound for film and TV. Yeah. So I... Um, I was thinking, how do I do this? And I tried networking in, in the north of the UK, but it wasn't happening. So I thought, I've got to, I've got to put my tent in London because it's the only place to really make a, a film career work. Yeah. So I was thinking, should I go? Should I go? I had grown up my whole life in one place yeah. in the north of England, you know, uh, almost a small towny kind of uh, atmosphere, you know, where you... You, you're born there, you live there, you die there. Yeah. And, um, and I, I went to Hillsong, London for a couple of times. And it's in a, a West End theatre, you know, like a Broadway theatre. Mm -hmm. And they have churches all the way. Uh, they have uh, services throughout the day. And I used to go, I went a couple of times to the 6pm service, which is where all the, the uh, cool cats used to go. Yeah. All the creative types. And we, you know, I was invited to go to the pub after the service with the worship team. This is Hillsong worship team. Yeah. And, you know, drinking beer and, you know, getting a little bit tipsy and just having so much fun yeah. and enjoying the, you know, the family. And I was looking at these people thinking, you, you drink? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, it was a big shock to me. Oh, by the way, there might be some noise here and there because, because it's India, you know, there's yeah. noises. So you might hear some dogs barking or a power cut going. So anyway, I apologize. Yeah, no, no worries. No worries. So I felt super at home at Hillsong. And, um, and so I went to my pastor 2012, early 2012. And I said to him, listen, this is the deal. Uh, I see myself moving to London. Um, I, and I, I remember I phrased it like, I, I'd love to be able to get your blessing, mm. you know, I think it's blessing to, um, 
to embark upon this next step of my journey. And he said, yeah, we kind of saw this coming. It's, uh, it's fine. In fact, it's good because we are starting a new church plant, a new congregation. Yeah. In and I was thinking, I had my heart set on Hillsong, where there's already a worship team set up. I can go along for a few months and just relax and be a part of everything instead of, you know, being a part of what we call a church plant, which involves a lot of work on students flying, you know. I, I hey, I'm 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 living all of that, man. I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In COVID, uh, <laughs> so yeah, weird. So I would be working in London. I would be working full time. I would be networking, trying to build some friendships, and uh, I wouldn't have time <laughs> to be flying and doing, you know. Um, home groups, you know, weekday uh, yeah. worship nights, Sundays, pretty much all day Sundays would be dedicated to it. Yeah. And so he went, when he told me that uh, it would be good for me to become a part of the church, my heart sank. Mm. I had to tell him, actually, no, I would, uh, I would be going to Hillsong. Mm. And I'll tell you what, it was like I was urinating on a relative's grave. You know, he he it was like an eruption you know he wow. said okay let's let's take some time and uh think things over and then we'll meet up again mm. oh god okay so we met up again he'd prepared how, how these... much time was it was in that like how much time did you guys I don't know, need? maybe two or three days okay enough time for him to collate an attack you know so <laughs> yeah he he came at me with three things. I can't remember what two of them were, but one of them was, he told me, now this is a pastor. He told me that I, if I was to move to Hillsong, London, then I would fade into nothing, into the crowd, and I would become like nothing. Mm. And like, imagine a pastor saying that. He, he basically told me I would just... Played on your ego. He played on your ego to try yeah, to manipulate so was, in some way, right? I mean, is that how you, did, or is that how it came across, or in the moment? Well, the way it came across in the moment was like, oh, well, maybe that's true, hmm. because I've been gaslit for seventeen years. You know, I've learned what gaslighting actually means this year, and very, very proud of it. I was being gaslit for 17 years into believing that I would only succeed in life if I was going to this church mm. and putting my skill as a musician and a songwriter into this particular church. And I after that, I questioned everything. Mm. Uh, I had to sign on for another year in the house that I was staying at. Um, the contract, <coughs> sorry, the, um, you know, the tenancy agreement, I had, to, I had to sign another year to stay in Leeds in the north of England. And uh, because I'd questioned everything, wow. I thought maybe true. Maybe if I went to Hillsong, I would just, I don't know. I was thinking I'd, I'd become homeless or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you stay at the uh, church then? Like whenever you went into that 
season? What what happened with your involvement there? Yeah, physically, but I'd become an alien to them. Mm. Um, I'd spent 16 years by that point in the worship team, leading worship. You know, I was kind of the golden boy mm. um, of the uh, of the church, and then suddenly I was on the back row. Mm. I was being you know, people were saying, you know, how can you do this? I don't think it's right. I think it's a really bad decision for you. Uh, all of this. And so rumors were going around this church. And, you know, thus began my deconstruction. Mm. Because I spent a year um, going off the rails. Yeah. If you can uh, appreciate that kind of a a phrase yeah, uh, yeah absolutely it, yeah what it so, it, so I, yeah speak more to that yeah so you know i spent a year um like drinking i i properly discovered what alcohol was and pubs and my friends and i would go to i would go to pub quizzes with my friends and it was actually that all of this churchiness was stripped away from me I was off the worship team, except for those those Sundays when they needed a, a bass player. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Will, we need a bass player. I don't even know how to play bass, you know, and you're coming to me. They're like, you oh. can figure it out, you know. It's always the rhythm section. I'm a drummer, you know, so I get it, you okay. know. It's like, if you if you don't have a good rhythm section, you know, and that's – always the people are always looking for is drummers, bass players, you know, yes, yeah. a lot of guitar players. Those, those seem to be okay to come by. You oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of really great guitar players you can use. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Cause guitars are uh, uh, quite easy to pick up, you know, and you can sound good quite quickly. Um, but drums and bass, you've got to have a very keen ear. Yeah, the dynamic. Rhythm, you know. Yeah, you don't have dynamic and feel like because those are rhythms. You know, if you don't have a feel to it, then forget about it. You know, so yeah, I can nerd out on on that all day. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> so with the whole going off the rails, you you said you were entering into more of a season of just going to pubs, doing that sort of thing. Um, what did that begin to look like for you? Did your theology begin to take a shift as well? Or at this point was most of it just as far as like personal calling and how that looked in a church, in a local setting? Um, were the, how did that look in tandem, you know, theologically and then ecclesiologically, if, you know, for that sort of big language, you know, did that influence each other? Well, I think what, what really happened, I don't know what really happened to my theology. Obviously, I, I kept hold of my Christianity but it felt like, um, do you know what? I think my religion was church. I think mm. that's what it was. Um, the church I was going to was a church that worshipped church. Mm. They sang a church, you know, influence in the city. Um, they had outreach programs and stuff like that that were, that were well-intentioned. But at the end of the day, it was all about church. Yeah. And so church that churchiness was taken away from me um i suddenly had to question like okay where is god mm. you know what is god yeah and it was complete destruction it was deconstruction 
to the point where I was, nothing was really being replaced. Hmm. Nothing was going in its place. I just found myself uh, sinking. I, I actually uh, started uh, developing quite serious uh, depression as well, clinical depression. Mm. And it's like all, all the world was just gray. Like, uh, like you're looking through not frosted glass, you know, like shower, yeah. shower cable. Like, it just felt like uh, there was no motivation. There's no energy anymore because it seemed everything had been taken away from me. Uh, like Richard Raw puts it, you know, there's the container yeah. and you know, when the container is taken away, taken away from you, it still sort of remains there. But, you know, it, it feels like something, like there's holes in it. It doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was just deconstruction. It was only when I actually, I moved to London the following year and uh, I was, it was like I was shown out the back door of this church, you know, really, not with, not with a party, just with a, oh, he's gone, you know, mm. uh, a year of just heartbreak and you know, where is my family in all this? Not my literal family, right? You know, my mom, uh, my dad died when I was ten. My mom has stayed with me in everything. Uh, she's amazing, mm. but I was thinking, where is my life where's my family and all of this so then i moved to hillsong and uh hillsong so london is a city it's a very multicultural city and uh hillsong in london is very different to um hillsong in sydney it's very very different because you have all kinds of people going there uh so many people from all over the world mm. and people from different cultures, uh, different uh, genders, uh, different identities, different sexualities. And they're all there. And uh, they're all doing life together. And I, was, I joined the worship team and I was approached by uh, a guy called Miggy, who was a worship leader at the time. An amazing singer, very mm. talented. Uh, and Miggy came across to me immediately as gay. He was yeah. very clearly a gay guy and he was a worship leader. And there was this, you know, this dissonance in my head and I'm yeah. thinking, how can you, you know, yeah. how can you, are you gay? How can you be gay? And you know, do they know? And all yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, um, He's, he's out and proud, you know, he's, he's very loud, rambunctious, very friendly, loving, outgoing person. And he's very proud of who he is. And they would put him on to lead worship and to lead, you know, items that would open Hillsong Conference and things like that. And I think that was really when my reconstruction began. Mm. Because I was thinking... If, you know, can God really have made you the way you are? You know, mm. I was always thought that being gay, being LGBTQ in any way was not part of God's plan. You know, we know all of this stuff that we get taught, you know, sure. from, uh, especially from Pentecostals. Yeah. And 
So in my state of deconstruction, I found myself thinking, well, maybe God is bigger than mm. what I have been, you know. And I started hanging out with Miggy, started hanging out with his other friends as well. It turns out there were more LGBTQ people on the worship team. And uh, I know what Brian Houston has quickly right. said. Yeah. And do you know what? I appreciate that he's clarified his stance. It's a shame that he says, it's a, it's, it is a shame what the stance is. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that there are actually people in Hillsong that um, sort of don't fit into that box yeah. belief system. How, how is that? I'm curious with that, like, because it seems like they would need to have, they seem very hierarchy in their approach to leadership. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. Brian Houston, he has all of his guys, you know, which, uh, you know, uh, not completely RIP Carl Lentz, but I mean, at least for Hillsong Carl Lentz, RIP, you know, but like he's got all of these people everywhere and it seems like there's a pretty tight order of um, obedience that happens mm-hmm. to, to the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, did you sense any sort of tension with like the pastor of that church and the leadership with their involvement? Were they volunteers or on staff? Like maybe that was part of why it was acceptable or not. I don't know. Any, any thoughts on, on some of that? Yeah, I think, uh, mostly volunteers. Um, they don't, uh, I think because, because of the statement put out by Brian Houston, there's, um, I don't know, the LGBTQ community in Hillsong, uh, have been shaken up by it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of people that have left, uh, but the people that have stayed have stayed to try and make things work from, from the ground level, mm-hmm. you know, from inside the system. Because yeah. it is, it's a system. Totally, uh, it totally. It is a system. Um, a lot of it is is good a lot of it is bad Mm -hmm. um but you can still uh, be yourself in your own way obviously there are plenty of affirming churches that you can move to yeah Um, i'm sure in a big city like london oh yeah absolutely yeah so So, that sparked a reconstruction that's interesting because you know a lot of times I've, i've heard and even in my own life, it's been some sort of, you know, personal experience or awakening or, or really understanding the heart um, or a change in, in within myself. But it's almost like you saw a change within the potential of whom God could love in a way. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Like there's, there's yes. like a paradigm shift in, in somebody else's relationship to divinity that began to change you from the outside perspective. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and I think because uh, all of that, you know, that container had been uh, shattered in a way, when, when I found out, when I just started thinking that God makes, you know, a, a wonderful gay guy 
who can stand on stage and say, God, you made me this way. You take delight in me. You love me. When I start to think, okay, that's beautiful, then it becomes, it became limitless. You know, reconstruction is uh, an introduction to infinity. Mm -hmm. It's an introduction to the infinite, to the endlessness, eternal life. Yes, I love that. This is what the Bible talks about. You know, God gives us eternal life. It's not so much a, well, I don't see it as a, a passage of time, eternal time, but an endlessness, a wide open field where you think, oh, so God, you know, love, not so much God's love, but love has no limits. Yeah. Because God is love. Right. You know, I'm thinking, okay, if love has no conditions, then okay. God loves you. God loves you as you are right now, right here. You know, I wrote a song um, that a couple of people have complained about. Uh, it's called It's Okay. And this, the core, it's a worship song. So I've been writing worship songs out of my reconstruction. Mm. Uh, are uh, Affirming, not just inclusive, but affirming. Yeah. And the song It's Okay says, it's okay, you don't need to change. Uh, I love, it's God speaking. I love you as you are right here, right now. All your joy and your pains allowed. Just come and sing your song. It's all I want, you know. And mm. a few Christians have an issue with it saying, no, 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 you need to change. You need to change. And, and no, mm. no, God loves you here in this moment right now. You know, perfection yeah. is drawn to perfection, mm. you know, and, and, you know, vice versa. Yes. You know, God's perfection is drawn to my imperfection. Mm. And again, I'm going to name check Richard Roy. He says that um, it's, it's our, oh gosh, what does he say? It's our encounter with grace that uh, spurs us on to change. It's not like we change to become acceptable to God. You know, it's an, that wonder that changes us, that transforms us. Yes. How to say, okay, I've got to stop doing that. I've got to stop doing that. You know, I've got to stop being that. You know, right now, it's okay. Yeah. I'm just going to enjoy the presence of God. I'm just going to enjoy love. Yes. And, and hopefully let that filter out to everybody else. Yeah, the awe and wonder. I love that. The awe emphasis. Yep. Yes, that is it. That is it. Yeah. And I think that's been a big part of my reconstruction too, is like recapturing that sort of awe and wonder for yeah. the, the bigness of, of God. Um, and yeah. I think that, that inspires me to live in, in ways that invite people into that way more, you know, like I think about yeah. Hillsong and I think about like the, the evangelistic side, you know, of it, like we mentioned earlier about like going out and getting the world saved and it's, and it's exciting and you know we're gonna take over the but it's like i've actually been way more evangelistic in my life by experiencing the awe and wonder and living mm. in a new wholeness that is like yes. integrated and it's like yes. I, now i'm able to speak from a, a place of real transformation and i think that is what is the most exciting thing about like this sort of reconstruction movement is like i do think some of these old things that we need to do some mental gymnastics around the language, but 
quote evangelism or movements like that, I think we'll see a fresh breath of air in a reimagined way because people mm. are knowing who they are in God now with a wide lens perspective. And uh, so I'm pretty hopeful for the future. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day that, that, that we have so many churches that are like a, a hill song in certain ways, but are completely influenced by good old Richie Rohr and, you know, all those, you yeah. know, those guys. So, yeah, come on. And, and ladies and ladies as well. Many of the people that have influenced the faith in this way. And so that's another thing that I was excited about to ask you about is about your, your songwriting. And because I think if we are reimagining church, so like even what I do, I have, you know, um, lead a small church plant here where it's obviously difficult with COVID or whatever, but like, my goal is to really include more people into this sort of reality. And a big piece of that is worship. Like I still have mm. a deep value for worship. I know that some people when they deconstruct, they throw out worship and you know, it's low hanging fruit to talk about Jesus as my boyfriend songs. I get that, whatever, but it's so, I think about my life and where I've been shaped. Maybe I'm a, just because I'm a musician and a creative, I don't know, but I've been the most deeply shaped and transformed in moments of worship, of song, of stillness in music, even without lyrics, you know? And I think about what does worship for a new reimagined church looks like? And it sounds like you're, you're trekking that frontier right now. Um, mm. So what does that what does that look like? How how are you engaging some of the the history, the many years of history of worship, and how is that influencing the way you're songwriting now with this new sort of reconstructed narrative? The Spiritual Nomad Podcast is a ministry of Current Collective Church a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to holding space to experience the divine in healing and transformative ways that enable us to live into the fullness of a truly abundant life. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider a tax-deductible donation to support our ongoing effort to reimagine spiritual community. Visit thespiritualnomad.org give to contribute today. Thank you for your support and partnership. Um, so the sound, I think, the sound of what I write is still very much, because I grew up listening to Hosanna music. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, it's Don Moen, uh, Long Cannoli, all of that jazz. I used to love collecting the tapes, you know, we're talking 90s now. The Did tapes. Are you familiar Sorry, are you familiar with like vineyard worship or any of that? The, yeah, the, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm ordained at the vineyard, man. So that's, wow. Yeah. So you're talking 90s worship. I mean. 90, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not um, to cut you off, but I know the internet sometimes we, you know, but yeah. So. Yeah. You see, I still, I still listen to those songs. Yeah. And. I'm a little bit deaf when it comes to lyrics. My mind automatically goes to music and mm -hmm. how it makes me feel. I think that's why I, I love film music so much. Yeah. Um, and I'd be listening to a song 
and I'd be like, oh, I love this song, I love this song. And then someone will ask me, have you heard those lyrics? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah. What is it? <laughs> no. Um, you know, but yeah, the sound still stays uh, the same when I'm writing. It's very much, and now it, it's very Hillsong-y. Um, yeah. It's a Hillsong since I bought, it, it was Hosanna Music that introduced me to Hillsong, actually. They did a, yeah. the Lord, they released the album Shout to the Lord as part of the Hosanna Music series. Yeah. And wow, what is this sound coming from Australia? And the church I went to in the north of England, they were singing all of those Hillsong songs. And that's why yeah. we, and, you know, we started going there in 1996 um, because they were, and previously I was going to a, uh, Anglican church, you know, and I was in the choir with the choir robes. You really? Know. That's so funny. Yeah. And um, so we went started going to that church because they were singing Shout to You, you know. Yes, uh, I, I grew up with all, all of that. Yeah, so good. Yeah. So, uh, so I've been listening to Hillsong since then. And I love uh, Marty Sampson, uh, Joel Houston, uh, these guys that write some of the most incredible melodies. Melody is very important uh, to me because I think, you know, that is, um, that is what you take away as a human being. That's what you take away from the song. You, you're singing a melody. You're not thinking about, oh, that drum beat was good. When you go and see Jurassic Park, you know, you're not thinking, oh, that orchestra was really good, you know, or, Oh, I like that percussion. You're thinking, da, 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 right. that's what stays in your head. Yeah. So, yeah, melody is very important. So when I'm writing, yeah, the, the sound of the song, uh, the way that the melody rises and falls and uh, interacts with the, the harmony, with the chords, that all stays the same. Mm -hmm. But it's the lyrics that I've been questioning for a long time now. And you can say I've had a deconstruction and reconstruction with lyrics. Mm. Uh, sing a lot of uh, Planet Shakers. I don't know if you've heard of Planet Shakers. Mm -mm. No, so they are a uh, conference church uh, worship team in Australia again. Okay. And uh, I think they came from a, an annual youth conference, you know, and thousands and thousands of young people would go to Planet Shakers conference. And their, their music is incredible. Like they're producing uh, music that, you know, some of their tracks sound like uh, Bruno Mars and yeah. stuff like that. But their lyrics are, should I be kind? Um, <laughs> no, you can do whatever you want. The, the music is mind-blowingly well-produced. Yeah. But the lyrics are terrible. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest problems with worship songs nowadays is the, uh, the simple, uh, simple present tense statements. Uh, so a simple present tense statement is something like, uh, I wash the pots or you drive a car. You know, mm. we live in Delhi. Yeah. You know, something that is a simple and present tense. And, you know, there's a Planet Shakers song that we actually used to sing here in Goa that said, oh, praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, for you are good. You are good. Forever we will dance and sing, for you are good. You are good. Mm. And it's kind of a 
bouncy, jumpy kind of song, you know, very, very catchy. But when you listen, when you listen to the lyrics, when you sing the lyrics, you're thinking there's nothing in here that is actually of any worth. It's not inspiring me to praise. Mm. It's just saying that I am praising. Like I could tell you now, I wash the pots, but I'm not washing the pots right now, am I? Right. You know, there's a, there's a fantastic song by House Fires, uh, and it's just one line. It's, uh, life is a gift and the giver is good. Mm. And you sing that over again. And it's this passionate, inspiring song. Life is a gift and the giver is good. I don't know if you know that song. I um, don't, but I love the idea of simple, almost mantras, like, like yeah. our yes. own Christian interpretation of where you're at, like a lot of Eastern mantras and the, yeah. how those, be, what brought me back to worship in a lot of ways was uh, whenever I was spent some years out of the church, not in the Bible, just living life, uh, just being a spiritual nomad. I entered back in through a, uh, a Kirtan uh, guy who has the harmonium, you know, and sings the Hindu songs, you know, and uh, Krishna Das is his name. And he was, yeah. I found out yeah. he's just a guy from New York or something. Right. But uh, you know, he was with the uh, Ram Das back in the day or whatever. Anyways. Uh-huh. And he was talking about when he was broken and he needed healing in his life. What healed him was his personal devotion of meditation and singing these simple mantra songs with the harmonium with people. And like, it was those dynamics in like your, your own solitude and your community, but the simplicity of the lyrics of Mm -hmm. reminding yourself of the eternal beauty of God and how that interacts with you and informs your being. And it's like, that's essentially like, we're not doing necessarily anything different in in Christian worship. You know, it's become something very different uh in a lot of ways like what you're saying but when you tell me about like this worship song from house fires i'm like that reminds me of our own learning of of a very ancient practice from the east you know what i mean and a lot of the old worship songs like a lot of old vineyard songs were like that it was very like three chords a few lyrics repetitive you know um using more language like what you're talking about um so anyways i kind of hijacked your your thought there a little bit but was excited to make the connection of of those those things um so anyway yeah the that house fire song you're right that's informing more of your your lyric writing or or how's that yeah so that that particular song life is a gift and the giver is good you're right it's like a mantra i've not thought about that um, that's how, that's how, you know, that's the balls that house fires have got. They have a whole track and it goes on, I don't know, five and a half minutes or so. And the worship leader sort of sings around it and then they come back and sing it all again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can be singing that with tears in my eyes thinking, oh, yes, life is a gift and the giver is good. Like that inspired faith yes. in me. Like I, I no longer want to sing a song like we praise you, Lord, because mm-hmm. that doesn't have the inspiration in it. The only inspiration in it is that amazing groove in the bass. You mm-hmm. know, that's the only thing that drives me to worship. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, 
it's funny you should talk about you know jesus being the you know my boyfriend uh, yeah. you know the song how he loves us mm-hmm. um yep. i forget his name um was it yeah. uh, john mark mcmillan that wrote that song or was it uh, maybe else? i don't know or at least his version of it i like right oh really okay so there's a there's a line in there heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss yes <laughs> I get so uncomfortable. You can do still, it, yeah. Like, that, you know. hey, so many people have like edited that. Like I remember we did um, where I was on staff at my dad's church. We changed it to unforeseen kiss. Heaven oh, wow. meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. Yes. You know, so I like someone else singing that. Yeah, so it's yeah. like you know trying to edit it and you know make it work mm-hmm. for us. You know, our our next. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I'm curious about, and I want to be mindful of our time, and I, I'm definitely curious that time from being in Hillsong, going through some reconstruction, and then how you ended up in India and <laughs> what you're doing in India right now. Yeah. Like, so maybe you can talk me a little through that timeline. Through a, Did all yeah. of your – I mean, we're always sort of being born again. That's like salvation is something that is – sozo healing it's healing of the the whole complete self always it's not necessarily a one-time event right so we're always being reconstructed in a particular way it's this matrix it's not a timeline right um but did did a lot of that find resolve while you were in 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 london or did it find resolve at a later date maybe where you are now like what was in the midst of transition like i'm curious about some of that yeah um, so I was on the worship team. I've always had a love for India since I was a little boy. And I was obsessed with, you know, the colors and the, the sounds and the smells and the tastes of India. And, uh, when, you know, I started adolescence, I sort of forgot about that, got on with my life. Then in 2015, I was invited to go on a tour with the Hillsong worship team to India and uh, I, I jumped on the opportunity. I was like, yes, take me, take me there. I want to go. So we did a couple of different events, one in far Northeast in the state of Nagaland, uh, which is actually closer to Myanmar uh, and China. So we did a, a few events there where like tens of thousands of people turned up and, wow. you know, I'm just this guy from, from the North of England and, like I've always, you know, after your deconstruction, you, you don't, well, I certainly, especially after you go through depression, mm. you don't think uh, too highly of yourself. And I was stood on stage, you know, in front of 30,000 people in India playing keys and think, and I was just thinking, how, how is this, how is this mm. happening? You know, I'm just a little guy and God is, is taking me through this beautiful, beautiful journey. So we did Nagaland and then we flew to Goa where we did a one night fundraiser concert, worship concert for a, an NGO charity. So it's a children's home called Bethesda Life Center. Hmm. And there's only a, eight of us, seven or eight of us in the worship team that did the tour. And so we, we were shown around that the people who own the NGO are good friends with the pastor uh, that 
you know, runs the uh, uh, Pastor of Hillsong. So they're really good friends. And so that's how I think we, we came to do the, the concert here. So we were shown around the children's homes and I was lapping up every moment of it. I was thinking, I can't believe I'm here in this moment mm. experiencing pure love. You know, we, I met the, the kids here. Most of them are either orphans or have come from the poorest of backgrounds. And uh, I was shaking their hands and hugging them and taking selfies with them. And it wasn't, I didn't feel like a tourist. It was like they were my brothers and sisters. It was the most beautiful thing to experience. Mm. And these are like half, the people half the world away. Yeah. And I, I left that whole tour completely transformed. And I came back home and I was raving about this beautiful experience in India. I couldn't stop talking about it. You couldn't shut me up. <laughs> and, you know, I would tell people stories of the people I met and, you know, what I did. And I, I'd be crying as I was uh, talking about it all. And it took a couple of years, but I started thinking, I, I should be there. I should be in India doing something. Mm. I'm just here in London doing what, you know, the whole film composing thing never really worked out. Um, so I should just go, and plus, you know, when you, when you deconstruct, you sort of think, okay, well, what the hell? Let's just do it. Yeah. You know, let's, I, wanna, I just want to give my life away. And um, that's another worship song that I wrote as well called Song of Humanity. There's a tag, like a mantra that says, to love is to lose yourself to another. Mm. Uh, that over and over again and that's sort of become the mantra of my life to love is to just lose yourself in the moment with other people it's, Jesus boils down the you know the law to two things love God and love people and those two things dance with each other yeah. you know, you can't, when you love God you can't help but love people and all people Right. Not just straight white men, you know. It's yeah. every person, mm. Muslims, black people, transgender. So uh, I came back from India and uh, I, I'd made the decision very slowly to come here. And so I contacted uh, Martin and Bina, who run the NGO here. And I said, listen, this, this might sound super kooky and flaky and I don't want it to sound like that but ever since I met you guys I I just felt like I can help in some way mm. and I said I can teach music I've taught music since I was 14 15 years old I can teach English I can cook if you want me to sweep the floors I'll sweep the floors you know if you want me to clean the toilets in the in the Children's homes, I will do that. Mm. I just feel very strongly that this is where my life is heading and I just want to help you guys. Is there a place for me? And Bina replied to me straight away on Facebook and she said, it's so strange that 
you contact us at such a time. This was, I think, 2017, Jan January 2017. Mm -hmm. She said, the guy that has been looking after our senior boys home and has been teaching music and has been leading the worship in the church. He's just left. He's just wow. left in this whole situation. And we've been crying out to God, God, please help us. Please send somebody, somebody from Bombay or Delhi, somebody that can um, help us with music in the, in the church. And then I messaged them saying, don't wow. know if you remember me from Hillsong, blah, blah, blah. And so immediately I'm thinking, okay, maybe this, maybe God is in this. Maybe I'm not going crazy. Then I, I uh, two of my close friends in the UK, uh, one of, they're both from India. One of, uh, one of them is from Goa, which is where this NGO is. So I contacted her and I didn't want to give the game away you know, that I was yeah. thinking of moving forward. So I said, Sharon, if, you know, hypothetically, if someone was to think about moving to Goa, where would be a good place for them to live? You know, do you know Goa very well? And she saw straight through it and she was like, ah, you're moving to Goa? <laughs> we have an apartment in Goa and we're desperate for someone to live there. Wow. And so automatically now, I not only have a place to, uh, to live, but I have a purpose there. You know, I'm going to be mm. teaching music to these kids that I feel so close with, you know, kids that I now, after my deconstruction, I feel like, yes, these, these people are, you know, people that I, they're like family. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I took some time. I paid off, you know, some student debts and, and stuff. And then in January, 2018, I moved here. And so I'm teaching music uh, to, the, uh, to the three children's homes, the uh, junior boys, senior boys, and the girls, and seeing some incredible talent uh, coming out of the uh, coming out of the woodwork, you know. Wow. And it's an absolute joy to be here. And uh, what's even funnier is that Martin and Bina, who are the directors here at the NGO, they are big Rob Bell fans, big Richard Raw fans. Really? Yeah. And my mum came out with me in, when I first moved here to make sure that, you know, like a good mom would, to make sure that her boy is going to be safe in this <laughs> strange yeah. foreign country. And when she met Martin and Bina and found out that they read Rob Bell and Richard Raw, she thought, okay, these people might actually be uh, family to my son. Wow. So beautiful thing. Even my mum, that's an interesting story. Telling my mum, because my mum is a widow. She's been a widow since 93. Mm. And I've been very close with my mum. Telling her that I, move, I was going to move to London was heartbreaking for her. Mm. Now imagine telling her that I'm going to move to India. Right. She came to London one weekend in 2017. And I'd made up my mind to tell her there and then, mum, I'm moving to Asia. 
Um, <laughs> and I think this is going to be the most heartbreaking decision of my life, the most heartbreaking moment of my life. And it was on a Sunday. I wasn't serving on the team at church at the time, on, on that particular day. And so I was in the congregation in Hillsong with my mum. She was loving it. I was loving it. Uh, I was really nervous about telling her. And at the end of the service, she said, do you want to go and see a movie? So I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew exactly the movie that she would love. And that was the movie Lion. I don't know if you've seen Lion. About the, it's a true story about a young boy, five years old, from somewhere in central northwest India who gets lost on a train, gets taken to Kolkata, uh, becomes adopted by an Australian family. And uh, it's about his, his journey of trying to find his mum again after 20 or so years. Beautiful story. So I took her to see this movie about this little Indian boy, you know. Hmm. And, um, I'm going to get choked up talking about it. Um, we're in the cinema, and it's a kind of movie like Passion of the Christ, where when the credits roll, but every time I tell this story, I start crying. Hmm. When it's rolled, half of the audience stay in their seats, just like, yeah. like this, you know, trying to regather themselves or just trying to process what it is they've just experienced. Hmm. It was the same thing with Lion. I was there with my mom and half of the people left in tears. The other half was sat there in tears. My mom was in tears. I was in tears. And, um, whew. And she turns to me, uh, oh, no, the, at the end credits, there's a, a little title card that says, um, I think it's 80,000 uh, children in India find themselves on the streets every month. Uh, something like that. I might have that figure wrong. You know, and then uh, the song comes up in the credits. And as the credits roll, my mum turns to me and she's like, you know, wow, what do you think of it? And I said, yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? I'm glad that she likes it. And she said, what do you think of that at 80,000? Indian children. <laughs> mm. Find themselves on the streets every mm. month. And <laughs> this happened. Yeah. Yeah. This happened. I just burst out crying. I said, <laughs> Whew, come on. You're okay. You're okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she starts crying as well. And she turns <laughs> She turns to me and with all the grace and beauty of the spirit of God, she says, you've got to go. Mm. You've got to go. You know, and it was like the decision to, to go was finally sealed mm. um, and blessed. Yeah. Blessing of my mum who, you know, is, has been a rock for me, you know, has been such the presence of God 
in my life uh, through all the hard years of you know not having a father through all my years of depression struggling with debts uh, you know all of that she was the one who turned to me and said you've got to go you've got to go and do what you can in India so here I am it's three years I don't see any sign of of leaving of going back to UK uh, I'm here to stay for sure as long as the the foreign registry office are okay with it <laughs> I'm writing songs I've I'm, I've been writing this what I, I can I feel I hope it's okay to say are the best songs I've ever written yeah I I just released a song called To the Lost One, which has just uh, been picked up by a podcast called Yes Jesus, which is an LGBTQ podcast. Mm. And they wrote this song. And it's a song, that, it's a worship song in the style of Joel Houston that um, lists all the outcasts of society and all the outcasts of religion, you know, poor, the oppressed, the widowed, the orphaned, and it actually directly name checks the LGBTQ people. And I thought I'm going to be brave and put that in a worship song mm. to put the words LGBTQ, you know, heaven is for you. Um, you know, God is for you. God loves you. God is cheering you on as you are, you know, and I've had so many an overwhelmingly beautiful response to that song. And uh, I'm just loving life here in India. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember what my life was like 10 years ago. Hmm. I was serving a God that I was afraid of. Hmm. Serving a God who I, you know, I adore, you know, and I'm, I'm questioning it all lyrics nowadays, you know, all the, there's a nomenclature, there's a, a system of words to worship songs that I think there's a lot of gobbledygook, a lot of nonsense. And so I'm ripping all of that apart and I'm, I'm reinventing how worship songs should be sung, to be sung with real words. Mm -hmm. You know, I very rarely refer to God as male. You know, sometimes I use the word king because we understand this word king. But my last album, Image, I, for 12 songs, I don't refer to God at all as having any kind of a gender. Mm. So just I'm tearing all of that apart and trying to get some, a new sound and a new honesty in worship, real lyrics, honest lyrics. And uh, and now, mantras. Thanks to you. Yeah, I love it. Your passion is—it's uh, so tangible. It's—it's it's amazing wow. to me that I can be across the world from you and yeah. see you on a screen and sense the tangibility of your your passion and mm. your your deep conviction for who you are, what you're doing and the purpose of, of your life. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's, wow. uh, it's contagious in the best way. And so yes. I love it. Likewise. Oh, so good. 
Um, if people want to, as we wrap up, I'm curious how people can best uh, support you. How can they best support um, maybe by streaming your music, buying your music also too, uh, with, with where you're working, your, your organization, if people want to find out more about that and help to contribute in some way, what, what's the best way for people to, to, to do all things will, you know, let me know. Yes. So I have a website. It's willadammusic.com. Willadammusic.com. I've got to say that slowly. Um, on there, you, um, there are ways to, if you want to give financially, that's fine. I, I appreciate it. Um, I'm a volunteer here and I'm completely dependent on donations coming in. I have donors in the UK who uh, are helping me to pay the bills here. I live in India where things are cheap, but actually Goa is very touristy. Mm. So things are very expensive, except for alcohol. Alcohol yeah. is very cheap, <laughs> um, which is nice. Yeah, I was going to uh, say. Nice. Yeah. Who's going to say yeah. it first? You know, that's a perk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, bills can be very expensive. Rent is very expensive here especially for someone that earns nothing, you know? So if anybody wants to give financially, then there's, there are ways on the website, but what I would love more is if people could um, follow on Spotify or Apple music, YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, just search for Will Adam music or Will Adam and listen to the songs, you know, because that would mean more to me that you are getting something as well. Uh, play Spotify is all about playlisting. So if you can playlist uh, some of my songs, have a good listen, just enjoy them. You know, hopefully you'll be encouraged. You'll experience true tan tangible faith, hope, and love mm -hmm. because that's that's my prayer for my songs. That people would be really inspired to praise rather than all of this BS. You know, we praise you, Lord. You know. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's all I can ask for people. That, that's the way to support me. So good. So good. Well, thank you so much for spending some of your morning and thank um, you so much. love it. And certainly listeners, people who are watching, listening, go stream, support, do the playlist. I know I have a friend that um, started coming to our community who's a Spotify artist too. And he's like, he was just telling me, last week about how important playlists are so friends if you have like any sort of influence with highly listened to playlists get will adam music on there because it, it he's like it makes or breaks in a sense you know some of this his income from from that which you know is, is pretty pretty good for being a a guy living in his van you know which is my friend you know uh which actually his name's will too Funny enough. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, part of my reconstruction, sorry to add to this, part yeah. of my reconstruction is changing my name. My full name is David William Adam, mm. but I changed it to Will because so many people in the worship team in Hillsong at the time were called Will. Uh, we're called Dave, sorry, we're called oh, Dave. Okay. So I took my middle name, which is actually the name of my father. So I, I took my middle name to honor him as well. That's so, yeah. so cool. Beautiful, beautiful. 
Well, thank you so much, Will. And uh, be sure to give Will a follow and listen to his music, subscribe to his YouTube channel. And uh, let's see worship take a whole new facet going forward. Yes. 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 Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. As always, we would love for you to subscribe, leave a review, and share this channel with a friend. If you would like to financially support the Spiritual Nomad Project, visit thespiritualnomad.org slash give. To contact Luke, you can email him directly, luke at thespiritualnomad.org, or send a direct message on Instagram. Until next time, grace, peace, and love.